welcome to yet another installment of the podcast, My Take on It, Rants of an African Immigrant. I am Karanja Kashusha, your host, and today is the most auspicious of auspicious days for the recording of episode 10 of My Take on It. It is 2012, 2020, um, and it's my birthday, so here goes and um i started this podcast on a on another very auspicious month and date it was 10 10 2020 and a week later i recorded my second episode on 10 18 2020 which was my mother's birthday or rather 18 10 2020 but uh, in america obviously it's 10 18 2020 and uh, it has continued that way and uh, four weeks later it was 11 11 2020 and I recorded episode four and uh, another four weeks on I recorded uh, episode eight on 12 12 2020 that was late but it was recorded on 12 12 2020 and um, here we are with the most auspicious of auspicious days and um, let's get into it My podcast today is ranting really about the question of democracy in Africa, Western style, specifically Western style, American style democracy in Africa. Is it the right thing as all of Africa and Africans are being told right now that they need to have free and fair, quote-unquote, democratic processes that allow elections every four years and this horse race, this constant horse race that we have seen in the United States um, being exported to Africa. Is that the right thing for Africa? I have come to a place where my view is now that no, not at all. It isn't the right thing. African democracies are nowhere near advanced enough. They're nowhere near mature enough to withstand the chaos and the strife that is brought about by the constant horse race of competitive elections where people have been convinced by Western media and Western intelligence services that, uh, and all types of Western messages, that the next election, the next president that you elect is going to be the one person that's going to transform your countries and turn them into Western-style countries with Western-style economies and Western-style democracies. And so people heap these massive, massive hopes on this idea that the election is going to be the thing that's going to pull the whole nation out of poverty and bring equality and that's just it's not how it works it's not realistic and it isn't useful for a growing and building nation to be under the level of strife and stress that 
the constant horse race of electioneering produces. Uh, we see, for example, in Kenya where elections have been marred with violence ever since, you know, the multi-party elections were ushered in in 2002 was the only time when um, dictator Moy got ousted and there was a peaceful transition with no strife. 2007 led to the worst violence that Kenya ever saw. 2012 um, was not as violent, but it was chaotic. 2017 was chaotic, violent, and has led to five years, like straight, sorry, not five years, a straight three years of electioneering where essentially that race never ended and so you know looking at an example of kenya like where does when does it end you know when does the business of the people of the country actually get done when all that is happening is electioneering and electioneering is expensive you know an election got thrown out by a corrupt chief justice um, for no good reason. It was the most transparent, most fair election, if ever there has ever been one in Kenya. Uh, there was absolutely no reason to throw out that election. It led to the waste of billions of um, shillings, um, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, to rerun an election where the uh, opposition candidate that had lost initially refused to partake a second time um, and then it's led to this situation where Kenya has been in a constant electioneering mode ever since then and it it's been costing money it's been um, costing lives because during the pandemic Politicians have been busy touring the country up and down, uh, holding super spreader events to, you know, to electioneer. Um, so that costs lives. Um, and in addition to all the other ways in which it is destructive to the economy and to people's livelihoods and to the morale and to the faith and trust in institutions that Kenyans had actually worked so hard for so many years to build but that have been destroyed over just one election period uh, in 2017 and as we've seen from the example of America and Trump Apparently, even institutions that have been built and worked for hundreds of years are only as fragile as the current craziness of the political leader, leadership. Um, so a country like Kenya, whose institutions are only barely a decade old, at least the modern ones, um, clearly those institutions have little chance if you have leadership that is willing to rip them apart and tear them apart and and sow discord and and distrust in those institutions which is what Raila Odinga Kenya's own President Trump um, successfully did uh, over just one election period when he's um, when the outcome didn't go the way he uh, expected it to or wanted it to 
after working for decades to build institutions that he thought would assure him of power. And so just using Kenya's example, but also looking around the continent at other places and, you know, the election in Ghana just happened and we have another situation where, you know, the loser is refusing to accept the outcome and his supporters are out on the streets demonstrating and, you know, fighting against police. Um, it's just not healthy. It's not, it's not what Africa needs. Period. The Ghanaian election was followed shortly after by the Chadian election, and again, the same strife. What we have found in democracies that have been doing this for many more centuries. And democracies where, like in Europe or the United States or even in Latin America um, or other places, Asia, uh, what have you, where even despite people speaking the same language, the same level of strife is experienced during election periods and electioneering periods. And the divisions are so deep, they are, in fact, uh, referred to as tribal. So... You know, when you contrast that with African democracies where so many people, so many different communities, so many people from uh, different tribes, uh, you know, over a thousand tribes in Africa alone, so, you know, tens, uh, scores of tribes in each country, trying to go through this... um, electioneering style you know democracy where you you have periods of electioneering followed by um, you know campaign electioneering followed by which is always you know full of strife even in like I said in in those democracies where that have been doing this for many years and and where everybody speaks the same language it's always very stressful and full of strife and then at the end of that, you end up with a leader that is has been all chosen by only 50% of the population. In some countries, you end up with leaders that have been elected by less than 50% of the population. You know, um, Kenya requires that the winner of the election has 50% of the vote, but not every country does, and in fact, few countries do. You just need to be the first one to cross over the you know with the biggest number of votes in in most cases and then you end up having this person who in in the case of Africa is going to come from the tribe that has the biggest population but in many cases you know the African countries have tribes or communities that uh, maybe the biggest, uh, you know, plurality, plurality in, in, in any given country. But of course, it's rare that any country has a 50% of the population coming from one tribe. So essentially, you're always going to end up with people um, from the vast number of tribes feeling unrepresented 
by that government. And so my argument is that A, the electioneering, campaign electioneering is hugely destructive and doesn't serve African uh, countries or African economies or the development agenda, A. And B, uh, the resulting, the, you know, the resulting uh, governments, the, the resulting dispensations that come out of this electioneering periods is not, um, is, is just not ideal. We, because essentially what Africans want to feel is represented. Africans from different communities, from different tribes, want to feel that they are represented in government. And so really what we need is to just go back to uh, systems that have worked for us Africans and build on those systems for modern life. Like the majority of African tribes were led by councils of elders. Now, that may not be practical in the modern sense, in, in modern democracies, and so, but it doesn't mean that it has to be thrown all the way out. In Kenya, for example, we still have councils of elders and each community has a group of a council of elders. And these elders are more than capable of and have, for example, in the case of Kenya, William Ruto was selected by the council of elders of the Kalenjin community. So these councils of elders are more than capable of uh, selecting, nominating, electing the person that they want their community to be represented by. And what we should uh, be working towards is having um, people that have been brought forward by the councils of elders represent their communities in some type of executive council, in some kind of executive council of leadership that serves as the executive. It can be, in the case of Kenya, it can be um, a council, uh, an executive council of leaders from the different, from the old eight, eight provinces that Kenya used to be divided by. Now, does it have to be eight? Not necessarily. They could be divided, you know, they could be 16. We certainly don't need 47 counties as, as we currently have. We have 47 counties in Kenya, a, a country with a population of um, uh, less than 60 million, with 47 governors, 47 senators, 291 um, members of parliament, and th you know hundreds of um, members of uh, county assemblies. We don't need that huge of a bloated government. And while in, in the case of Kenya, devolution has been really good. Devolved government, uh, a system of devolved government has been really good for, um, you know, for, for remote um, areas of the country that were previously neglected. That has definitely been a success, but we still do not need. They can still be represented without having uh, 47 new uh, jurisdictions with, you know, bloated government um, machinery, but that's very specific to Kenya. Point is, uh, going back to the original um, gist of this, of, of this podcast, is that we can have uh, leaders selected from different regions that can be representative and they can, be, uh, they can form part of an executive leadership council that um, can be elected once every 10 years and they can have these, this leadership council uh, select or nominate or elect um, 
a, a president of that leadership council and rotate every two years. So, you know, five in 10 years, you know, serving two years. They have a very similar system in Switzerland where the government is run by a cabinet that rotates uh, the president um, uh, for every two years. And so it can work uh, even in modern, in the modern context. And I think that it is far more appropriate in the African context, you know, having one election every 10 years um, going to the people and then having members of parliament or the executive leadership or some type of other body electing who is going to be the head of the leadership council for each two-year period but having the people decide who they want to send to that leadership council once every 10 years or once every eight years you know it's not up to me it's you know it's 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 a suggestion it can be up to each different jurisdiction in each different country how they want to run it but we really need to think outside of the box we really need to go back to our roots to our african roots to find systems that are more resonant for our own um, context than the western context where we find that these systems don't even work anyway as i have pointed out the american electoral college is not democratic the senate in the united states is not democratic Two senators for Montana, two senators for uh, California with 37 million population, whereas Montana has 500,000 people. That's not representative. That's not representative of democracy at all. Uh, the Electoral College is not representative. Trump lost by 3 million votes and still became president. So clearly, that's not a system that works and it's not a system that would work in, the, in, in, in any African context or anywhere else in the world for that matter. It only works in America because that system is so deeply entrenched for so long and people have come to accept it. But it's really not a system that produces, um, that produces representation for the people, clearly, as we saw. Um, the gerrymandered Congress in the United States where you know, congressional districts are drawn to collect the population that they want to collect and exclude the populations that they want to exclude in order to empower essentially white men over other communities, over black people, over people of color, um, is also not representative. It's the only place where um, members of Congress represent roughly the same uh, population in terms of numbers, but because of gerrymandering, it becomes not representative either. And then, of course, their Supreme Court, um, it, which is openly partisan, that is also not equal justice when you have a Supreme Court that is so predictable which way they're going to vote based on who nominated the, the judges. So what I'm suggesting is that we Africans need to quit following, need, we need to quit copying and pasting Western systems that do not work. And of course, when you look at the United Kingdom, that system doesn't work either. You have 300 MPs nominating who they want to send to the party membership to select. Uh, and then the party membership of less than 200,000 people gets to decide who is going to run a country of over 60 million people. That's not representation either. So these people that sell us their democracies do not even have democracies that work in their own countries. So we need to stop following them, we need to stop copying and pasting, and we need to have systems that are resonant for us, that work for us, um, and uh, that will produce the type of representation that uh, Africans are really looking for. Um, hope you enjoy this. Uh, give us feedback if you 
get to listen to this via social media on Twitter, on any of the other social media platforms. Give us some feedback, come back and subscribe to this channel. And um, looking forward to seeing and hearing from you and talking to you in the next episode. Thank you. Thank you.